are pro-cannabis media. And welcome back to the final half hour of Green Rush Live, our regularly scheduled business of cannabis talk show here at Pro Cannabis Media, now located in the world headquarters in Clinton, Massachusetts. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, and I'm joined this week again by uh, Josh Kincaid, the, the host of the Talking Hedge out of Washington State and someone who is going to MJ BizCon in a few weeks. And our two guests for the final half hour is Chris Ferrone from Dig Boston. He produces the Talking Joints Memo. And Tori Chamberlain, who is a news producer of We Talk News, I might add. And I believe she also anchored this week's We Talk News. So she is one of multi-talents, and we're so happy uh, to have both of them on our program uh, today. Chris, I'm going to start with you and ask you a direct question about uh, a story that broke really uh, a few weeks ago about an incident that happened back in January in a true leave factory. I know I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I want to I want to ask you how if you know how that all came about, how did I think it was Mike Crawford who broke that story? Yeah, I mean, Mike broke it, you know, uh, for uh, for the young jerks, of course. So, you know, it's on a podcast. And luckily, fortunately, Mike is, you know, also vocal. So he also like, and active on social media. So, you know, there's a, not that, you know, this is obviously a huge scoop, but there's a lot of big stories that are said on podcasts, right? That, and Jimmy, we talk about this, that don't always get pulled out of the ether, right? Well, Mike made sure to drill this one home. And of course it turned out that it happened, you know, like literally nearly a year ago, what, nine months earlier. Um, and, and you know, Mike has, who's of course, worked with the dig a lot over the years. Um, also, uh, his dil- you know, does his diligence, you know? So, uh, you know, had the, had the receipts, as we like to say, and I got to, you know, listen, this one is so egregious. So I would, I don't, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, if somebody died, right. This is a major deal. Um, of course there are though, you know, with, and where there's smoke, there's often fire as we're, we're seeing now in follow-up coverage by, you know, much bigger outlets than, than Mike's podcast. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of stories brewing like this. Hey man, I'm here reviewing joints these days. You know what I mean? Uh, we we do our my investigative muscle is is largely uh, in prisons and stuff like that on the dig side, but this is intrepid reporting. However you look at it, and uh, but you know for any reporters out there looking to di- do this kind of digging, there's reports, and that's why things can happen a long time ago, and uh, and you know OSHA reports and and uh, other regular regulatory uh, regulatory and also even you know municipal correspondence. It takes some time for that stuff to be in the pipeline. And sure, if somebody had known about this story and not jumped on it they could have gotten scooped but it's also something that you know if you wait a little bit and if you know it's happening um it's something that you can you know really you know get the paperwork ccc is awfully transparent particularly for massachusetts which is not a transparent state it's you know uh, uh, awful states are much more transparent like florida has you know remarkable sunshine laws massachusetts not so much but cannabis is really well regulated the fact that we can you know see sales numbers and stuff like that is uh and, and i'll also go to add that you know i covered the alcohol uh, uh abcc the alcohol commission for years it was never like this um so this is really new so my point is this uh i am at least glad that you know I, if you're gonna look for some silver lining it's that first of all the story was uncovered second of all that there's you know that there's paperwork to follow up and that people are all over it. it's a huge national story um hey i gotta ask our local producer here 
Um, Tori, I got to ask, I don't know if this is true or not, but I know in your in your vocation, uh, there usually is uh, monitoring of the other stations. Did anybody in Boston run with this story at all? Uh, a few have, a few actually. I really want to. I should. I want to give credit to uh, NBC 10's investigative team. Their new um, executive investigative producer, I believe her name's Kathy, and I'm blanking on her last name. I feel so bad. I'm sorry, but Kathy did um, some great work where she reached out to a lot of Lorna's family and loved ones, and interviewed them and tried to get their side of the story as well as. Um, I saw a screenshot of an email that she had sent to the Cannabis Control Commission uh, requesting several documents, and the commission's response was something pursuant to, you know, Massachusetts current law that there were certain documents they could not release about, particularly about what the commission was investigating about True Leave dating back to last fall. The commission says that pursuant to, you know, whatever this law is, that they quoted in this response that they could not release these documents because of the investigation being ongoing. So um, that's a tough spot to be as a journalist. Uh, I'll tell you guys, I haven't told anyone else this um, except for Mike Crawford, but I just uh, got documents back for my own um, FOIA request that I sent to the Holyoke Police Department, and I have some records now in my possession. Um, so and it's it's just a matter of verifying things, verifying dates that have happened. Um, the records I looked into were how many times an ambulance has been called to that facility since August of last year. I don't know that number off the top of my head, but it's certainly more than the two times it was called for Lorna McMurray. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So it, it's just a tough spot to be as a journalist because you can only get whatever information the law will get you and whatever people are willing to say. So that's a really good, that's a really solid reporting, by the way, I just want to say all those FOIA angles way to go. And I, I but I also, I also just want to clarify one thing I was saying before, when I was talking about basically the transparency of CCC, I just meant in general, compared to even other agencies in Massachusetts, things like this, there's always going to be brick walls. But that's the beauty of having some I mean, honestly, one of the one of my issues with like, again, this is an extreme situation, but one of my issues with just going after dispensaries, any, you know, whenever base is that if we go through all paperwork, everybody's is a disaster. You know, I mean, if it's, it's, it's an absolute mess, um, but it's there and we can always look at it. So when something like this comes up, we're able to pull all, so much stuff. There's so much stuff already in existence who was involved, you know, so, you know, uh, whether reports are even just early application information, you know, when, you know, when you look at those early applications and, you know, it's like one set of names and then that set of names is gone and it's a whole different group of people. I mean, it's just, you know, there's alarm bells everywhere. So that, that's all I just wanted to clarify. Um, what I meant. There's just a lot of information. So we can always dig when something like this goes down. Yeah. And, and we all know that once information gets out there, it does tend to take on a life of its own and even a direction of its own, let's just say, because we're all human and we all can look at the same fact and report it differently. That being said, I want to get Josh's opinion here because he's out on the West Coast in Washington State, and now he's listening to two media people in Boston talking about a story that has gone national. I want to ask you right off the bat, Josh, did you know about this story about this True Leave employee who passed away? Yes. Okay. And how did you hear about it? 
Well, it's it's always the thing where like nobody's ever died from from cannabis. So like as soon as like some guy eats an edible and jumps off a roof and impales himself, it's like, see, I told you it was deadly. Who was <laughs> that that wrote that stupid headline, by the way? Who who's responsible for saying that this was a cannabis death? I don't remember. Uh, F them, whoever it was. That well, it, as, hey Chris, you know this, and Tori knows this. Tori knows about teases, okay? The headline gets the attention. So it's designed to draw you in, whether it is a uh, whether that story supports the headline or not. That's the nature I get of it, the Jimmy. media. That's why I'm sentenced to a lifetime of independent media. Mm -hmm. Right, I I get it. So are no, you I, writing I mean, your own headlines? Well, I mean, that drives me nuts, and I'm glad that you're you're outing. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, at least I understand it. You know, well, I, I'm I talking about him bringing up that you know what real that 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 this was the story that we kept hearing. This was a cannabis death, right? Right. So let's let's go back. But of course, because it the other me other media perhaps is not as enlightened as the people in this forum right now. Okay, are looking for not necessarily looking for reasons for the industry to fail, but every time that the industry stubs its toe, it's a lead story on the news. And I'm going to add this in: how many other uh, workplace um, fatal deaths have happened in other industries that we just don't hear about. But so if you if you remove the fatality of it, I think we see a lot of this. When I was up in Canada in Vancouver working for a company, and I'm going to out them called Agrima Botanical. They're literally the only company that lost their license up in Canada. I was working with them on a fully automated joint rolling machine, and I'm looking at this this uh, this package, whatever, and it's got a bag tag on it, and whatever, but they're not supposed to be making stuff yet. Like 2.0 hadn't rolled out. You're not supposed to be making uh, vape carts and all these 2.0 products. How, what do you, interesting. Okay. And then you find out like they literally lost their license because they got slapped on the wrist. Six months later, the agents came in and they found the same thing. They were literally like trying to sell this stuff. So all of the family and friends that invested in those companies, they were one of the first 15 companies to get an international license. They, they the, the, the stupidity of it all is my point of this is that they lost all of it for greed and stupidity. And that is rampant in this industry. And eventually it can lead to death. And, can and ask, were they publicly traded? They were. Yeah. I think I lost a couple on that one myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to play uh, devil's advocate for a second, Jimmy, if I can. I think I totally agree with everybody's point that there's gonna there's safety issues across the board. No one's perfect. This is a new industry, all that. Here's what I think a lot of people are worried about is that companies like TrueLeave that operate in nine states, not just Massachusetts, that this process is potentially, I am not accusing anybody here this is just a, a this is rhetoric here this is a potential situation but truly operates in nine states so i think what a lot of people are worried about is companies like this the process of the investigation perhaps being treated differently than it may be for a family business out of Haverhill, you know, that doesn't have the capital and the support and the team that TrueLeave has. That's what people are concerned about. It's not just 
slap on it, it it's the principle of companies being treated differently when these issues come up it's right. the principle of holding accountability to these companies and making sure that the big guys are treated the same as the little guys because no matter how you want to spin it even though people are making billions of dollars off this industry there's always going to be a legacy community that is holding on to the values of this industry and will not let it go willfully to these large companies who are just doing whatever they want because that's not what the roots of this industry, the community, the medicine of it come from. So I think that's what people's main concern is, is this process needs to be handled swiftly and justly now so that future, the precedent is set for the future. Yeah. I, I wanna add in that, that uh, and I I really don't, I don't think I'm disagreeing or agreeing with you. I, I think there's, uh, I, I don't know where this fits in, but with this issue in particular, um, you know, I, I, I've toured and I'm sure we all have, right? A lot of manufacturing, a lot of operations. And, you know, the places that are proud to show me around, it, this does not seem like something that would happen there. It's just, um, you know, it's not, the, the, the rolling room is never a place that is like, oh, wow, everyone's so happy here. But it's not, you know, the ones, especially the last two I saw, just not oppressive. You know, there's some space. Yeah it's more of a science this just i don't know so uh and i i don't know exactly what the, i haven't seen pictures of the truly room but all i'm going to say is we get uh, you know complaints at the newspaper from uh, about small operators as much as we do about the big ones and i think when we when it comes to kind of having these systems you know um that would prevent this kind of situation i think you know if we're talking room and space and and ventilation uh, you know, I, I don't know as far as when you talk about equal justice being meted out, I just wasn't sure exactly what you mean because I think, you know, I, I guess it has to be when we're talking about life or death situation like ventilation, everybody's got to be, I guess we agree because everybody's got to be treated the same to some degree to make sure this happens. And I, and, and I know we're talking about manufacturing here um, and cultivation, but I will say that, you know, for better or worse, and I really mean that, the CCC is not cracking down on everybody for everything. We all know that there's tons of dispensaries violating just tons, not of bad laws, I think, but just the basic ones, you know, uh, menu wise, accessibility wise, where the stuff is. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I, I guess I, 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 I would imagine we agree on the fact that we don't want the CCC running around shutting down mom and pop shops over little stuff. Right. This is a different situation. Right. No, and they should they should know what they're doing, but they're, it's at a snail's pace. The the um, OSHA came to Washington State in 2015, so I was on a farm when they were there, and they were trying to learn about you know all the various processing and writing their own SOPs and trying to figure out the safety precautions, but they just haven't kept up to the scale uh, and the speed, and they haven't dedicated those resources in order to really know what's going on. Um, like, you know, just like a lot of the hemp farmers that were uh, harvesting in like 2018 or 2019 that and like as they're harvesting, they're like, oh, hey, we need drying equipment. Like they're figuring it out on the fly, too. And you can't expect the federal government to like be on top of it. Like they're going to be way behind. Right. And if you're looking for drying equipment, Canatrol is killing it in this market. <laughs> Nippy. You guys know, I know the Sandelman, so I always plug them. And I was touring Van Garden, uh, Chris, uh, out in um, Leicester, Mass., Really state of the art I want to. That's John Napoli's thing, right? Props right. to John I, Napoli, legend, legend of this industry. Before John Napoli was getting in trouble for selling growing equipment in Roxbury and for years, 
you know, the Hempist founder, just an absolute, it's great to see people like him kind of, you know, make the transfer over to, to, you know, the cannabis yeah. industry and everything, but props to the Hempist and everything he's done for sure. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me ask you guys a question, both media people here. And, and of course, Josh is now a host of a podcast that uh, gets uh, lots of, lots of, lots and lots of great, great guests. So I recommend the uh, Talking Hedge. You can find that on our YouTube channel a, as well. I want to ask you guys about the time, both, all of us on this show, I know have heard these stories. And actually there's one on this panel. If she'd like to share, she can. Cannabis has saved my life. Cannabis has changed my life. Some of these stories, the Stephen Mandilli story alone, Chris, in our own backyard, um, where his wife shared a joint with him at right right before he was going to kill himself, and it changed his life. And then he becomes an advocate for uh, PTSD treatment uh, with cannabis and, and testifying in Washington, D.C. on a somewhat regular basis for veteran access to cannabis. There are so many of those types of stories. Why do we have to uh, we have to cover it all as media. Media has to cover it all because they're they're storytellers. You're on the beat and you want to share information with the public. And we're in a learning curve period of time in the development of this industry. Will we ever see balanced reporting every time that there's a perhaps negative story about this industry? Can we balance it with a positive story? Because I know hundreds, if not thousands of amazing, incredible survival stories of people who have used this product that has either saved, enhanced, or changed their lives. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a if there's a question there, but oh, will we ever see balance? I mean, it's kind I of want balance. Yeah. I, mean, I, I hate. I'm, I'm the I'm the alternative media guy, so I, balance is baloney to me. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, but but uh, I've never sought it. And but I, I with cannabis, I always say I've always equated it to. You know, I, I'm old enough now, I'm 42, that when I first moved here and became a reporter in Massachusetts, it's when same-sex marriage was on the ballot. And I covered that and, you know, that everything, everything, you know, that was also in the national spotlight, of course. And, you know, I remember back then, the Globe, the, even the Boston Globe, you know, the mainstream as it gets, would quote, like, homophobe, crazy anti-gay people who would say that, like, that uh, who in the newspaper, they would run quotes that said, you know, this will lead to animals having sex with people and stuff like that. And of course, now that's unthinkable. It's unthinkable that anybody really and and uh, would, would quote that. Well, OK, so cannabis was 10 years behind because, folks, the Globe, which went and hired, had six weed reporters at one point. Right. Um, and of course, I hate them. It goes without saying. Right. Um, when they had six weed reporters at one point the year before had actually uh, opined against the ballot initiative that got us recreational cannabis. And five years before that, or I'm sorry, right then, you know, at that juncture, they were actually quoting junk science. You know, they were quoting the kinds of people who, uh, just get real quick, everybody to look up the legendary Keith Saunders article for us, where, you know, there's one of these prohibitionists, I forget his name, just some ass who used to show up everywhere, and he brought, you know, he had these two bags of gummies and, and we stole them from the behind the podium at the event. And we brought them both to get tested. He, he was saying that one was that, you know, uh, one was medicated, one was not. One was a few, and how could a kid tell the difference? And neither was. He was full of it, of course. But my point is, guys like that were still be, being quoted um, and, and still they still sometimes are. But I would say as far as balance, I think at this point, it's not, 
I am the guy who just hates mainstream media. This is not something I even lose any sleep over anymore. There's great work even being done at you know television stations and everywhere. And as for the as for the in, you know doing the individual you know saved my life stories, I think you know listen, it, it, you got, one will re- this one will reach that person, that one will reach another person. I'm not against it. I'll say sometimes the reporting's a little shaky on that stuff. You know, we hear about you know cancer being, and and we also saw of course a lot of like crossover with the anti-vax community and the cannabis community, the, you know, the, the nut jobs and that realm during COVID. So I don't like to just, you know, write down everything everybody says about how this cured that uh, uh, and, and, and that cured this. But at the same time, I'd say, you know, it's, we're not in the world we used to be. There's way more pro-cannabis coverage than anti. Try find the only anti stuff I would say that, that I see a lot, because of course we, um, here's my plug for the newsletter. You know, we, we literally go through hundreds of articles to decide what ones we're going to share every week. And the only real, I'd say, prohibitionist stuff, and they don't even mean it like that, but that's what it is, is people really like to latch on to like a little bit of a study. And every week there's one that says, you know, cannabis, weed makes your balls shrink. Weed does this, weed does that. And maybe we'll know someday, but the second line of the story is always, we don't know shit yet. So Yeah. Tori, I got to get your feeling on this. Uh, Growing up in California and being part of that scene uh, 10 years ago, um, is it balanced any more balanced in California or, or I'm not talking about media coverage of the industry? You know, I think, I think Chris leads into a, a good point that I want to say, I think we're getting toward more balance, but I think true balanced coverage of this industry is going to take support on two different levels. First and foremost, from the government, they need to go ahead and deschedule the plant so that we can actually have real scientific coverage, right? Because, or scientific studies, because no one, just like Chris just said, at the end of the day, no one actually knows because nothing can be peer reviewed, nothing can be checked over. So until the White House, TikTok, you've been given the green light, goes ahead and reschedules or ideally deschedules the plant, then we can go ahead and start having real conversations about unbiased scientific information behind the plant and go from there. I also think journalism on any level requires support from the consumers. And I give this tough love a little bit as a news producer. It's 2022. Nobody is going to hand you information on a silver platter ready to go anymore. You've got to sift through it. There's a F ton of information out there. It's oversaturation. So you have to be a critically thinking consumer when you're consuming information, when you're consuming media, you can't always just take it for surface level. So I think if people support people like, you know, Chris, myself, uh, I think Grant Smith Ellis is another person who does a great job of like unbiased cannabis reporting, giving all angles of stuff, supporting those people and their content will put those people in a position to give that balanced information. But I think it's going to require that support on both sides. I, I got to get an opinion from Chris. Uh, we're, we're almost up against it at this point. Real quick, Chris, how frustrating is it to someone who understands this plant like you do, and you cannot put any public service announcements in mainstream media? Is that frustrating? Well, you're kidding, right? I love it. I, it's a, the, that's it's they the get only, to read you. It's the only thing that we get that they don't. I mean, right now the 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 big media and uh, you know Channel Four, Five, you name it, is gorging on campaign money, 
Right. Uh, we don't get a dollar of any of that. So, and I got to say, Jimmy, not, you know, I'm for only 42, but the people before me, my mentors, they had their offices raided. You know, the dig is 25 years old this year. We've been covering cannabis the whole time. It hasn't always, we've had to change banks because of the amount of uh, uh, dispensary uh, uh, dollars that we take in. My point is we deserve this. Uh, I could care less if the mainstream ever does it. They were against it for years and they'll always get a piece of it. So um, there'll be some, there's plenty for them. There's plenty for everybody. But for now, this is keeping a lot of independent media going. There you go. I, I get you. And I, I had a feeling that's what was going to come out of that too, which, which I appreciate. Hey, Chris uh, and Tori, you two should have your own show. I'm just saying, okay. I thought you guys did a great job and you have a tremendous insight on what's going on in the Boston market anyway, Massachusetts market. And I thought that this story would truly, would certainly be something that we should all talk about. And by the way, I saw Kim Rivers, their CEO on Thursday in New York. And I did walk up to her and I did say, if you would like to make a statement, if you would like to come on my show and talk about what happened, you are welcome at any time. Now, did she say, oh yeah, I really want to come on? No, she did not. However, I did notice at the same time that corporate office released their, their official statement. And Tori, I know you added it into your news um, this week, which follows uh, this particular live, really live uh, talk show. So uh, again, uh, we're all in it together. We all know we all know what I say. It's, it, it really is one of the reasons why I love this saying. I love to close our, our broadcasts, our podcasts, our talk shows, whatever the hell you want to call these things, with the same It is a whole new world of weed out there. We all need to learn about it. We're all in this together trying to figure out what is going to happen with this plant that God put on, its, on this earth thousands of years ago for medicinal purposes. All right. I'm going to, that's going to be my last word, folks. So for Chris Perone and Tori Chamberlain and, and Josh Kincaid and, and Dan French, who directs this whole thing and Isabel Turner out there in California, helping us out as well. I'm Jimmy Young. I don't need to say it, do I? You know, use it responsibly and we'll see you next week. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.